Hello, and welcome to Appleton Engaged. I'm your host, Timber Smith, DEI Coordinator for the City of Appleton. And I'm Andy Anam, Communications and Public Engagement Manager for the City of Appleton. And Appleton Engaged is a podcast that explores the many people, organizations, and resources that make our community a great place to live, work, and play. So whether you're a longtime resident or just getting to know Appleton, Join us as we learn more about our community together. Today, we have a very special guest who is also a strategic leader, and his corporate career has spanned close to two decades. And I'm very much interested to learn how his strategies have created assets and what he does in his present role. Andy, you, you really uh, set this up. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm excited, too. And uh, once again, we got an amazing guest, so... Without further ado, this week's guest is Ku Yang, co-founder and director of strategy for us to behavioral health care. Hey, Ku, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Timur? We are doing awesome. All right, you ready to jump in? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Ku, can you please tell us about yourself and your association with Appleton or the Fox Cities region? Yeah, a little bit about, about myself. I'm a Hmong American son to refugee parents who came here during the Vietnam War. Privileged enough to be born here in the United States uh, with all of uh, you know, the, the U.S. citizen rights that I have. Born in Chicago, lived there for the first 10 years of my life. Then we moved up here to Wisconsin, to a little town called Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Well, uh, not Trivers. Trivers. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Best beach in the state. I graduated high school from there. Then I went off to college. Went to UW-Whitewater for a year. Wasn't my vibe. Then I moved to Oshkosh. So I went to UW-Oshkosh. And I graduated there with my bachelor's in accounting and finance. Oh, you're a titan. Yeah, awesome. I am a titan. Awesome. Spent, well, spent three years working in career services. Uh, working my way through college, graduated college, and then I did what everybody else does as an accountant. I either go, you either go into the CPA firms or you jump into corporate America, and that's what I did. Spent 15 years in corporate America. Not all of them were in accounting. I actually didn't enjoy accounting at all. <laughs> I did real accounting for two years. I worked in strategy roles. I worked in procurement, supply chain analysis, business analysis. So I jumped around a little bit with my accounting degree and then um, did that for 15 years. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think after 15 years, I really found myself. It was like this inflection point of what do I do from here with my life? And after many conversations with my wife, who's a social worker, a licensed clinical social worker, she's been in the field, various roles, you know, public, private, nonprofit. We're like, let's open up a nonprofit mental health agency that does diversity and inclusion training and consulting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, it, it was needed. It's a needed space. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, 
that's a good segue that leads us into, can you please tell us about your resource? Our resource. When you look at the name Us2 Behavior Healthcare, you probably think we're a typical mental health counseling agency. That's a misconception that we're trying to break. We're really more than that. We're more than just traditional counseling. We were founded on health equity and removing barriers for people of color, for historically marginalized individuals. And we were gonna do that with a two-pronged strategy, micro and macro, right? We're gonna provide the service, the actual service, outside or inside of our clinic to clients from different backgrounds. Clients who maybe they might not have a home to go to tonight. Clients who don't speak the language. Clients who identify as LGBTQ. So we were, so our focus really is on how do we close the health care gap and prove that it can be done and then show others how to do it through our training and consulting and do the advocacy work to fight for these folks. That's who we are. We're a social enterprise nonprofit is what I would consider us. Okay. So you said the organization basically serves the people of color. So why do you feel the need of starting it? Like, you know, what kind of challenges led to the foundation of the organization? Mental health is Sheng, who is my wife. That's her passion. She did it for a long time. She worked in county systems, psychiatric hospitals. So she knew the systematic oppression pinpoints of what needed to be resolved. And what I did was I supported her passion by bringing my passion of strategy and finance into this organization to drive this forward. So she's the mastermind of the clinical side. I do the business and operations, and we share training and, and consulting together. Now, the one thing is, is, you know, I believe that during the time of COVID, it really did uncover like these huge gaps of service or, or equity in healthcare, and mental health was one of the biggest, right? So is that part of what helped frame it? How long has us two been in around, and what happened during COVID? Did that have, what was the effect? Us two started in 2019, September 2019, right before COVID hit. What, when we first opened up, it was really hard to, to get folks to listen to us, to say there's issues with systemic racism. There are issues with people not receiving health care. We need to be better. We need to do better. Wisconsin scored a D in health equity. We put those stats out there, but folks weren't listening or interested. And we, we struggled for the first five or six months. We got some initial funding from the community foundation who kind of seeded a new therapist for us. And when COVID hit, everything got flipped upside down. Not only that, but then the combination of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd compounded the issue of healthcare, diversity, inclusion, belonging. Then we get AAPI hate on top of that. And, and can you... Can you define that acronym just for all our listeners? Asian, American, and Pacific Islanders. I want to back up a little bit. When COVID hit, 
and George Floyd followed, the, the our phones started ringing off the hook. And it was some of the same folks who said, I'm not sure if we have a problem with racism in, in the Fox Cities, or I'm not sure if there is a health, care, health equity issue in the Fox Cities. But that wasn't the message after COVID and George Floyd. It was, we have a problem. Can you help? Can you help with messaging this? Can you help with more training? We need some consulting in this area. How do I frame this? Should I be posting Black Lives Matter on my, my social website or not? So a lot of folks at that point needed guidance, just guidance on how to handle, handle these things. And although George Floyd and COVID were super unfortunate events, there, there, there's a silver lining because it helped us as a community move forward faster and say, maybe there is a problem that we didn't know about. Maybe I do have blind spots that we need to tackle. What are the, so you mentioned training. <laughs> what are the various types of training that are offered? What does, what is a, what do you normally get contacted for? Like what, what are, what are the services that, that are utilized the most? Right now, it's about 75% mental health counseling, one-on-one. We're moving towards a, a counseling strategy that utilizes groups, group therapy, so more socialization type support groups. We have a LGBTQ parent support groups for, for parents who, whose kids come out and review you know, whether they're gay, lesbian, transgender. Those parents are often traumatized when they get that news. They don't know how to cope with that. So we have groups for LGBTQ parents. We have a group that's coming out pretty, pretty soon here called Girl Empowerment Group for youth girls. And we have one of the only DBT, so DBT stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy in, I believe, Northeast Wisconsin. What is, uh, now I'm curious because I don't know that term. So what does that mean? DBT is a type of therapy that is more intensive than a one-on-one session. Hmm. It is for clients who have severe emotional dysregulation, suicidal thoughts and and actions, self-harm. And they've been, these are folks who are in and out of psychiatric hospitals, in the court systems, and traditional therapy just hasn't worked for them. They've been in therapy you know, for a long time. DBT takes that to another level where it's not extreme, where they're in a psych ward. But they are doing two hours per week of group skill building, another hour per week for one-on-one, and maybe one or two more hours of individual phone coaching. So it's five to six hours per week week for 20 to 26 weeks. So the outcome of that group is amazing. The statistics show that the cohorts who have graduated showed a 100% reduction in hospitalizations, 85% improvement of quality of life for them. So we're on our cohort number two. In 2024, we are going to run two cohorts in parallel together to impact the community more faster. So if the kids of color, they want to use the service, like what, what they have to do? Do they have to go through a clinic or, you know, how do, how do they get referred to your organization? 
Referrals. We get a lot of referrals for very, depending on what type of service from the major hospitals, uh, St. E's, Theta, Theta Behavioral, other mental health agencies in the area that can't pr- provide that service that, that we provide. The schools, we're in 100% of the Nina school system. We're in seven Appleton schools on site, and they're asking for more. They need more and more and more. One of the things, just because I have a little familiarity with the organization, one of the things that um, I find, like some, I've, I think it's a point of pride or a point to celebrate, is you have a very diverse staff. We do. And because we're founded on diversity and inclusion, we take that extra effort to make sure that we are staffing to reflect our diverse community. So we have individuals who are Hmong, who are white, who are identified as part of the LGBTQ Spanish speaking. We have a biracial uh, therapist on our team. So we, we constantly look for folks who can bring and add value to the diverseness of our team. So my question, and I'm curious because I come from an Asian background. So, you know, as Asians, we don't talk about mental health a lot. It's not something we take seriously Mm -hmm. and we continue to suffer. So as a strategic leader, how did you connect the dots of reaching this community, which otherwise, other than the systemic racial issues, we ourselves as a community also doesn't want to come up or cannot accept that our child has been recognized into another community. So how your strategic leadership helped gap, you know, you know, bridge a gap of these challenges? Like, how did you do that? That's a hard question. <laughs> I think mental health in general is a stigma regardless of race, but it is more in the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Number two is depending on the type of Asian ethnicity, Correct. It, it could be different. In the Hmong culture, we are, I often think that the Hmong culture is more relative to the other cult, Asian cultures. They're more conforming. They're, they're a little bit more conforming to the white Western cultures. And, and that's changing pretty fast. So a lot of younger adult Hmong men, women, people, they are starting to accept mental health without it being a stigma. And it's really the older generation now, the, the 50 plus generation that, that maybe is still stigmatizing that more. So what are the signature events which your organization continues to do? And do they ever serve the native population in the sense like white population when they are also facing some problem or it is just limited to the people of color? We serve everyone. Anybody who walks through our doors, I want to say about 65%-ish are white. We serve folks from all spectrums of the social economic status. We serve individuals who might not have a home to go to, like I said, or somebody who is on the fringe of poverty. And we have served CPAs. We have served folks who might be multimillionaires and their families. So it's anybody who walks through their doors. I think there's this misconception of, oh, you guys are a Hmong-run organization Mm -hmm. and you serve Hmong people. That's absolutely not correct. I think if you go onto our website and you see who's on our team, I think you'll have a better understanding for for who we are and what we stand for. Because you are a nonprofit, 
is there, and you kind of mentioned the variance of socioeconomics of the people you serve. Is there things for low income? How does that work? Or is that a thing? We have what's called a sliding scale fee. So we analyze your, your, your job, your income, and we either give you free services or very discounted services down to like $5 a session. Or if you have no job and you are undocumented and you need services, we will give you services for free. And we absorb those costs. Knowing and understanding we can't do that for everyone. There are very few folks who do not have insurance. So if you fall below the poverty line, which is needs to go up a little bit more right now, you have you probably have Wisconsin Medicaid and you don't have to pay anything out of pocket. The the politics of Medicaid is that if you are an LLC for profit organization, you're in the business of making money. So Medicaid rates cannot be as competitive as a commercial rate, somebody who has high paying job and and, and really good insurance. So that's how the oppression happens is there's quotas out there for clinic, private clinics, Medicaid clients get deprioritized and and the others are prioritized. We, We go in with a mindset that it doesn't matter what type of insurance you have, even if you're out of network, let's try to make something work. That's so wonderful. So tell us about the signature events your organization does from time to time. Right now, we do not have any, we'll call it events. In mental health, we want to be uneventful. We don't have anything for the future, but we have some signature programs. Mm -hmm. The first one is partnering with DHS, the Department of Health Services, to roll out a perinatal mental health program. So certifying our therapists to be able to treat perinatal mental health. So families and individuals and mothers who are pregnant up to the time of 12 months after pregnancy, we're looking at like depression and anxiety and how that impacts a child's long-term health. That program is rolled out. It's new, it's very new. It's a couple months old. And right now we're really working on outreach. We're working on getting these folks who might be suffering from depression, anxiety during post, the postpartum period to, to actually get help. Can you please share a narrative that will help listeners understand the importance of us too? So 2019, we start up. Um, we're doing outreach. We're trying to get folks to know who we are, what we do, how we can provide services. And somehow we were able to reach the Appleton School District schools. So not the districts, but the individual counselors at each of the schools. So counselors, psychologists, one day we got a phone call and said, we want to meet with you. And they organized four different school counselors from four different Appleton School District schools, knocks on our door and says, we need to meet. We need diverse mental health counseling in our schools. What can you do for us? We have kids who are on the brink of suicide. We have kids who, who need the help. What, what needs to be done for you to come on site to provide that service? And I think the folks on the ground, the boots on the ground, they know, they know what the need is and they see it every day. And that's, that's where we are today. 
four years ago, they knocked on our doors and said, we need on-site mental health services. Today, we have the governor prioritizing that. We are in 18 schools and, and counting. And every year, we're, we're, we're asked for more and more in the schools. I think that was an awesome success story on how we got from 2019 till today. That's great. And is there anything in the community can do to help your organization or is there an ask from the community that can do something at home or any kind they can help the organization or your functioning of the organization? Yeah. In four years, we've moved four times our offices. We've grown 12 times our size in four years as far as headcount. We are in the process of trying to either purchase a building or expand. We need more square footage in order to, to serve the community. And so we're in the process of writing a lot of grants and asking for community help, whether that is a donation or whether that is a donated professional service like real estate or legal or architectural design, interior design. Anything that can help us continue to deliver against our mission. And not everyone is in a position of helping that way. So word of mouth. I know a guy who knows a guy, you know. <laughs> there's power in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that would be my ask at the moment if, if there's anybody who would be able to help. Who can people contact if they would like to learn more or get involved? They can contact the office directly at 920-903-1060. They can ask for myself. My name is Ku Yang. They can ask for uh, my wife. Her name is Sheng Li Yang. If they're interested in diversity and inclusion training, they can contact, ask for Peter Lee. Or you can visit our website at us, the number two, behave, uh, bhc.org to get more information. Awesome. All right. Now it's that fun time. It's shout out time. Ku, do you have any shout outs? Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to Carolyn Dear Rose. Is that how you? Dear Rose. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region. She has been an awesome mentor, cheerleader for us from day one. When very few believed in us, she she helped us. She took the time to learn about us without discounting us right away. She helped us with find funding. And still today, she's helping us find funding and resources and giving us direction, even though she doesn't have to. So thank you, Carolyn. We, we're thankful for everything you do. All right. Thank you. We're going to start wrapping up this episode. Appleton Engaged listeners, we just want to take a moment and say thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for giving us your minds and ears. Thank you for making time to learn about a new resource in our community, a great resource that's super important to making our community feel more belonging and more welcoming, a place where people feel like they can fit in. As you know, we are a work in progress, and part of that work of progress means we need to know what you think. So please take some time. If you have any ideas for the, sh uh, for the podcast or if you would like to be a guest or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please feel free to reach out to us at diversity 
at appleton.org. Once again, that is diversity at appleton.org. And then we do have our one ask that we ask every episode, and that is if you are listening to the podcast, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Please subscribe and fill out a review for us. What it does is it helps to improve our analytics And with better analytics, it helps us get in front of more eyes. And we think we have something very, very special here. And we think people would really appreciate knowing about Appleton Engaged and these amazing resources that we have in our region. First of all, I would love to thank you, Ku, for telling us the different side of a story of a community and convey the same to your wife, Sheng, and all the wonderful work you us to behavioral healthcare is doing in the community. Remember, mental disorders are not just adjectives, but they are they really impact us across communities, across our color, creed, and nationalities. So please seek help when you need, and please continue to support our wonderful local organizations who are so impactful in the region. Until next time, stay thoughtful, stay curious, and stay engaged. Thank you.